0: I'm Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the team, your T-Lo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the Lou and your t Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. How are you, Lorenzo?
1: Very happy. Are you very happy? Yeah, Why? I we got our second shot.
0: Oh, I wasn't even planning on talking about that, but well, that is true. Yes. Yeah, got our second, second shot out. on Wednesday. And um, we were wiped out all day yesterday. Uh, pretty well, tired. not too bad. I mean, no, wasn't but just horrible, very yeah. like, fatigued. Right. Um and I don't think it's really settled in yet like right who knows it's re- no I mean just emotionally settled in that wow I'm we're really at the end of this for real for real um and we hope you are all seeing the end of this soon as well anyway I don't want to focus too much on that because I feel yeah. like while this disparity is going on you don't want to brag too much about having
1: No we're very lucky We're very we, lucky yeah we we got it um in you know it's just start planning things you know yeah it it becomes more real i guess going out and doing things yeah especially because i've I've been out and a lot of people are not wearing masks well because that's the
0: thing right yeah everyone's
1: like oh vaccination who needs masks right and well you
0: actually do and it it,
1: i think it's a little worse because uh now you don't i mean you see someone without a mask on then you don't know is he vaccinated or he's just an asshole he's just an asshole right anyway
0: um um, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, yeah. but
1: that's, that's pretty much it. I was yeah. just thinking about that when I went out to get some stamps and stuff. So I was like, oh, okay. Uh, now I don't know if this person is, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, what, it's yeah, going to be a weird... thing is here. Uh, anyway, we're, we're yeah. in a weird, well, we're, we're going to continue to be in a weird period. Uh, we had much on the plate for today. A lot to discuss Um, we both wanted to talk about the Nevers, the uh Joss Whedon produced and created show that debuted on HBO this week. Did not want to cover that on the site because it's such a lightning rod, and also because, you know, people feel like you shouldn't cover the work of abusers, which Joss Whedon has been accused of abuse. Um, but for various reasons we're gonna talk a little bit about it and 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 sort of put the whole thing in context. We are also going to talk about Colton Underwood's coming out this week. Right. Um, the Bachelor star um, came out, and it was a one of the more controversial coming outs, celebrity coming outs that I can remember, partially because his personal life up to this point has been a bit of a mess, and he has uh, been abusive to his ex-girlfriend, Cassie Randolph, who he met on The Bachelor. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that and why it's still important to support problematic people when they come out um and why i can say that even though i literally told kevin spacey to go fuck himself when he came out uh there's a difference and we'll get into that difference and it's a controversial you know i expect pushback and that's fine uh what else are we talking about a oh, little little sort of semi-related thing in the um in the fashion world, which had to do with a Valentino ad that went up online and a lot of very anti-gay and anti-trans commentary that, uh, flew up and it, it all sort of ties into stuff that we're observing about, uh, the rhetoric out there and how it's getting worse. Um, what else? We said we were going to talk about the nevers and I will. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, I did want to make a, point and make a small announcement it's just a it's a very informal announcement because everything's very
1: we're still working uh, on yeah it we're still
0: working on it but we're going to firm. publish a newsletter yes probably starting within the next month or so uh this it's ironic or it may sound uh i laughed about this last night i was thinking about it. i was like no one could ever accuse us of being true pioneers like we came to blogging five minutes uh 10 minutes Five years after it really exploded, not really, like three years after it exploded, we came to podcasting. Three or four years after it exploded, and now we're coming to newsletters. But actually, it's all. This is how it's always worked for us. Um, our tech uh, advisor for years has been trying to get us to do a newsletter. He's hey, been Scott. telling, "Hey, Scott, I don't think he listens, does he?
1: <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I don't know.
0: Uh, he's been trying to get us to do it for years, and." Um, I was reluctant, although there was a part of me that knew that it had to happen inevitably, but I was reluctant because I was like, well, what are we doing? Like, Our entire model up until now has been advertiser-supported publication in the old-school style, and uh, even this podcast is sponsorship-supported. But to go to a subscription model, to ask people to subscribe to you... Uh that's a big ask and especially when you've been putting out stuff for years for free on your site like no one has to pay to come to our site. Right. And that's not going to change. Our site's not going to change. Uh and in all likelihood when in, in more than all likelihood when we launch this newsletter it will not be um we will not be charging anything at the very beginning. Most newsletters are not launched that way. They try and, you know, generate interest. Right. And then at some point down the road we're going to start asking people to
1: pay for are, a monthly or yearly. There are various yearly. ways to do it, yeah. and, and uh, we're, we're still thinking about how we're going to do it. We might have a free one and a paid one or, or both or, yeah. or have a sponsor. We don't know yet. We're just, I mean, we just started talking about
0: it. Exactly. And I feel like unlike every other step we've taken uh, right. in our careers, this one we can't necessarily learn along the way. Uh, if we're asking people to subscribe, even if we're asking the pe- people to subscribe and we're not charging anything, I still feel like if you're asking people to sign up for your work, to commit to your work, you better know what you're doing. right? And so that's why we're really, you know, it won't be blog. It will not be a blog, a, a newsletter version of our blog. We will not cover things like celebrity uh, style. We will not be covering, we will not be reviewing television shows or movies or anything like that. It's more or less... A lot of the stuff that we talk about on this podcast, we might do essay versions of that, cultural stuff, examining uh, LGBTQ stuff. Uh, I already got Lorenzo to agree that he would, um, there would be a little Lorenzo's Corner and that we're going to try and have him talk about his favorite, uh, you know, foreign movies, foreign TV shows, his deals of the week, that sort of thing. And I know people have been asking us to get into recipes, so I I will probably have a little bit of, it's going to be this whole you know, little jumble of things that feels like us, but won't be... The uh, site. It won't be the site, and it won't be a verbal, a written version of this podcast. Um, and... W- oh, my phone's ringing in the background. Sorry, I should have... Sorry. It's probably spam anyway. Um, and... We're doing this because one thing we've learned over the years in in this business as independent publishers is that you need to give yourself platforms. And you need to explore other platforms. Some of you may remember that we had, although this wasn't really a platform for us, you may remember we had a message form attached to our site for a couple of years. And that was, you know, you try things. You're like, well, should we do this? Let's try this. Same thing with podcasting. We knew for several years we wanted to get into it. And then we were approached by a radio affiliate who asked us to become part of their network. And that was the impetus for it. Um, it's not a money-grab thing. It's more just a, you need to keep yourself viable when the publishing landscape is constantly shifting. And um,
1: and it's just who we are. We like to change. We like to add. We like to reduce, right. uh, deduct. I mean, we just, we like to That's keep what you have changing, to do um, Yeah, things all the time. That's how we are. Yeah.
0: Um, and it won't, um, I think we're both kind of excited to, have something that's different from what we've been publishing for the right. last 15 years. The voice probably won't be exactly the same. Um, uh, yeah, I know. I'm wrapping up. <laughs> He's like, you're talking about this too much. I'm like, you're right. You're absolutely right, sweetie. I am. Um, so anyway, we'll just leave it there. We're, we're playing with this. No one's asking you for any money right now, or and it'll be totally optional in the future. But. I think the pitch for me right now is for the last year and and plus, we've really focused on the idea of Tom being a site where you get away from the world and distracted by things and you look at things and you talk about things and it's, you know, uh, your self-care. And that I think that's probably pretty much going to be the mission statement for the site going forward. Whereas I think the newsletter will be a chance for us to explore things that are a little more in-depth, a little more topical, and occasionally even political in tone. Right,
1: and that can even change after, you know like you, we you respond don't to what right. your
0: audience likes and that sort of thing but we're putting it out there now hope you guys have some interest in it and we'll give you more information as that Yay. pops up all right the nevers The yes. nevers yes okay i watched the nevers it, it debuted last sunday on hbo everyone's been waiting for this show since it was first announced uh it's um it's basically the X-Men set in Victorian London, except they're all women. Um, it's all these women who gain superpowers, and they all are blah, 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 whatever. Um, and the creator of it is Joss Whedon, who created Firefly and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Dollhouse, and he directed the first two Avengers films, and he was the person that was brought in to clean up the Justice League film and then ruined it. Um, but people, before the, when this was first announced, people were kind of excited for it because he is a very good fantasy um, auteur. And he, uh, you know, has a history of um, having good materials surrounding female characters mm-hmm. who are, you know, sort of kick ass, as much as that might sound like a cliche. And it is a cliche. Um, when it was first announced, people were like, ooh, Joss Whedon with an HBO budget. That should be—Victorian in Victorian England, that should be interesting. And then it came out in the ensuing year that um, all these charges that—actually, if you followed Hollywood gossip over the years, I had heard all of this before. It was sort of like when the Weinstein stuff came out. I was like, right. yeah, I had heard all of this Right, exactly. rumors. But there was all this stuff about how abusive he is on set um, and how, you know, Charisma Carpenter, who was uh, Cordelia on Buffy and Angel—oh, yeah, he also did Angel— um, how he he treated her terribly for years and probably ruined her career. Michelle Trachtenberg, who was a teenager when she was on Buffy, she said that she wasn't allowed to be in the same room with him alone at the time. And then what launched all this was Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg in Justice League. Um, he has spent a year-long campaign against Warner Brothers and Joss Whedon, um, pretty much to the... huge detriment of his career, an up-and-coming actor, especially an up-and-coming black actor who spends all his time calling out uh, a studio and a powerful director uh, for abuse, is that's a pretty brave act. And um, it finally started catching on. Of course, he spent a year as a black man saying this, and he got ignored. And then a couple of white women came out and said, no, it's true. And everyone said, okay, now we believe it, and we won't even touch all that.
1: I know, seriously.
0: Um, But anyway, that's the backdrop. And then um, before the show came out, um, he was dropped from it. He, um, he, he voluntarily left the show, and his name is still on it, and apparently most of the first season is all him, but the second season will be taken over by another creator. Um, so that's the, the background. And it's partially why we didn't want to do a review on the site, because while the show is interesting... has some quality to it um the idea of paying too much attention to an abuse abuser's work and devoting 1200 words to it or whatever i just we were like ah, let's just do it on the podcast and after i watched the first episode i bugged you all week i was like listen i know you really well you're really going to enjoy this first episode and when i walked into the bedroom last night and he was watching it with a look of utter wonder on your face um, so why don't you start with what you liked about the show?
1: Well, what I like about the show is that, um, visually it's just stunning. Uh, and I'm all about the visual most of the time when it comes to entertainment. It, it, it's, it's a huge part of, um, what makes me you know watch something if if, if it's beautiful then yeah i'll i'll give i'll give it a shot so it's beautiful the costumes are gorgeous absolutely stunning
0: the whole show looks so expensive
1: the whole show looks so expensive um uh, i just love the whole thing but one thing that really caught my my, my attention is the soundtrack the music um uh, it's absolutely stunning and i'm, I'm used mm-hmm. to music uh you know uh, i have a music degree and i and i always pay attention to the music the soundtrack. Uh. But this one particular, I was very, very impressed. Uh, it's 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 um, created by uh, Mark Isham. He's done a lot of work. I couldn't find his credit last he, night. He, was it hard to find? A little, but he's done a lot of stuff. Um, he's a musician and a composer, uh, and it's funny because he's more into jazz, which I thought it was interesting because I was like, oh, because the the soundtrack for uh, The Nevers is heavily influenced by by you know classical composers and, and has a lot of strings and, um, but it's just beautiful the way it's composed, the way it's put together and the way the, all the instruments come at a certain time and they then they all blend in together. And, you know, it's unusually I, complex. It's unusually, uh, put together uh, and, uh, the crescendo every every now and then because usually when you have that sort of music uh, in in movies and, and TV shows it's it's kind of the same it's the same type of like it's just it's almost like background music right you know? right right but this felt like a composition
0: it, this that you were meant to listen to l-
1: that you were meant to listen to and that it was very much part of the whole scene yeah especially the opening scene. Uh, if you pay attention to the music, you can tell that the music—it's always—it's—it's it's like a supporting actor in a way. it, it, it and it's, it's
0: introducing each character. The right. music is is doing what the visuals are doing.
1: Right, and it's just following. I mean, like when they're running, it feels like the music is running with them.
0: Yeah, that's so well put.
1: It—it's just beautiful. I was stunned by it. Yeah, I knew you would be. I usually pay attention to music, but this one in particular, I was like, "Wow, this is really, really interesting." So I liked it. It's flawed as you said it's a bunch of clichés and yeah well, you, you talk into- about it yeah but you know i i'll, I'll probably watch it
0: yeah um i'm going to get into what like the issues I had with it and I'll watch it with some interest, but I am not a hundred percent on board. But before we get into my complaining, let's talk about something that we both love. Yeah. Which is uncommon goods. You have to check it out. It's an online shop filled with unique, totally unexpected gifts. And when I say unexpected, I mean truly original things you won't find anywhere else. Lorenzo got a um a revolving cheese board wheel with which compartments awesome. in it. Oh my god, I love it. And um I got a, um, I picked out a pair of poppy, uh, glassware, which is just gorgeous, but what you really need, you need to go there because Mother's Day is coming up on May 9th, don't forget. And now is the perfect time to check out the site. Uh, we just went through, uh, the site ourselves looking for gifts for some of our favorite moms, and my goodness, I love the repurposed cotton sari robe, and there's also a kimono robe that I got my eye on for a couple people I know, um... They have these great little er- indoor mason jar herb gardens. Just the cutest little gifts. Um, your swivel cheese wheel is also listed here for Mother's Day gifts. So it's great gorgeous. stuff. All these all these little like um, shower steamers, pampering gift sets, all different kinds of things that just gourmet oil dipping spice kit. I'm just scrolling through. Every single one of these sounds great. All of their stuff is of the highest quality. It's right. really, really a great one-stop shop for um for gift buying. And like, like I said, Mother's Day is coming up. You couldn't ask for a better place to go. So Uncommon Goods is the place to go for thoughtful original gifts for everyone in your life. When you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They don't sell products made with leather, feathers, or fur, which is very awesome.
1: It is. I agree.
0: It's a Brooklyn-based company. It's all about giving back. With every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. So to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com T-L-O. That's U-N-C-O-M-M-O-N-G-O-O-D-S. slash T-L-O for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer on Common Goods. They're all out of the ordinary. Okay, back to The Nevers. So, for me to look at a show like The Nevers as, first off, someone who has followed all of Joss Whedon's work. Saw all of Buffy, all of Angel, all of Dollhouse, all of Firefly. Both Avengers movies and his crappy uh, Justice League movie. Very familiar with the man's work. Very familiar with the way he returns to the same things over and over and over again. So, when this was first announced, I was like, "Okay, yeah, Victorian England, sort of superpower, okay." But then I realized that it was all going to be focused on women, and I was like, mm, "Okay, I wouldn't normally have a problem with a show that was focused on." Of course, I wouldn't. But his view of women has always been a little weird. It's it hasn't aged well. By the there had always been accounts that he was not. As quote unquote feminist as he tried to come across, and there had always been rumors of abuse. Um but not only that, his idea of how to do women in action is just it's got such a 90s sort of buffy-esque flavor to it, and that really hasn't aged all that well. It's it's the typical badass female, you know. Uh it there's nothing new in it. It's one of the reasons why I never truly loved um Scarlett Johansson in the first two um avengers movies because he made her talk like buffy and i hated it mm-hmm. like wise cracking badass mm-hmm. female it's very much a cliche and unfortunately laura donnelly who is the uh lead character in this and is fantastic she You is, may know her really, from, really good you may know her from outlander um her character is such a freaking cliche that i'm like oh i really wish someone else was writing your scripts honey because the setup is good uh the characters are interesting and the on this show. They're all great. Yeah. I mean, it's James Norton. It's Laura Donnelly. You know, Pip Tarns, who played Tommy Lassells on The Crown. Dennis O'Hare, who's been in How Many American Horror Stories. Eleanor Tomlinson, who was in Poldark. Nick Frost. Um, James Norton. Didn't I already say James no, I Norton? Know. I think no, We'll I did. say it again. Ben Chaplin, who, uh, Lorenzo didn't know this. I said, yes, Ben Chaplin, who used to look just like you. Oh, man. In the 90s, when I met Lorenzo and when Ben Chaplin was a... a you know, a much hotter actor. And I don't mean physically hotter. I mean, he, he was like an up-and-coming star. Um, I used to tell all my gay friends I'm dating a guy that looks like Ben Chaplin. Anyway, and you don't look like Ben Chaplin, now you've aged better. But, uh, great cast. Um, really talented actors. Mm-hmm. The setup is, you know, like... It, it really leans into the whole X-Men thing where all of these women who gain these powers are in, in like, an orphanage, and the headmistress is in a wheelchair, just like Charles Xavier, you oh,
1: know. wow. I didn't even make the connection. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. And that's
0: extremely deliberate. But it's also, like, all right, it's not very original. Um, it Yeah. So, there's that. Yeah. Um, There's the sort of stereotypical way he writes female characters. And like I said, I didn't see anything. Oh, that's the other thing. He's got two stock types. He's got the wisecracking badass female. And he's got the waif-like, wide-eyed, super genius female. And they are both the two lead characters in this show. And both actresses are great. I have to see what the other actress' name is.
1: Uh, Anne Skelly, I think.
0: Anne Skelly. Oh, also Olivia Williams is in it, who was in Dollhouse. And I absolutely love her. Um, so it's every Joss Whedon cliche and those things hit funny now because of all the stories that have come out about him. So it's a little difficult to sit through that, but what really turned me off the show, I will watch the show. I will not be doing recaps of it because of his problematic history and also because of what I'm about to say. Um, they introduced so many subplots in the first episode that I was like, this story is going to be a complete mess in five episodes. It is going to be a mess and it's not going to be resolved at the end of this first. Like, first off, that's Whedon's way. He kind of does that with all his shows. He's very famous for saying, kill your darlings, killing off cast members, these weird, you know, side trips and swerves and everything. And that's fine. It's not like I want a show not to be creative uh, and not to have certain depth or complexity to it. But they hammered so much in that first episode and literally anything that gets away from the two lead characters. I have no interest in. The two women at the center, at the front of the story, you focus on them, and I'm there. They have great chemistry together. It's interesting what they're doing. Great, let's follow them. Every time the story... And you can tell, like, there's so much planned that has nothing to do with them. I
1: agree. It felt really packed, and, and at some point, I'm like, wait, who who's this person now? And then somebody else gets introduced, and I and I thought... Oh, it's just somebody. No. Then it be, it becomes a main character too, yeah. and And it, I agree. Um, it felt at some... Uh,
0: Overstuffed right from yeah, the start.
1: Uh, certain... Yeah, many times throughout the entire episode, I was like, oh, I need a break. This is just too much.
0: Yeah. However, as we said, it is a high-quality production when you look at it. Yes. Its representation of Victorian England is gorgeously rendered... Um, to my eyes looks accurately rendered you know there's these vista scenes of of like 18 whatever year I think it's 1897 1897 London and I turned to you at one point and I said you realize that's all computer right um,
1: but well, it's we, well done. It's, we, we, we we talked about like how filthy England yeah, was. Yeah, how at the filthy time. London
0: was. London, I mean,
1: exactly. Not London. not England, but London. London has
0: been one of the filthiest cities for most of its history. Sorry if any Londoners have been but, listening. Like, I know it's clean now, but like if you go back a hundred years, it was. Yeah, eighteenth century. Nineteenth uh, 19th, 19th century, 19th century. London. I'm, I'm sorry, In post industrial yes, revolution.
1: Yeah. Um, The costumes are stunning. The costumes
0: are great. Um, There's a scene at the opera, which is extremely well-run. You know, scenes at the opera can be such a cliche, but they did a really good job with it. There's also, like, a crazy person... Um, who's got superpowers, and she's clearly some sort of villain. But I got to say, she did a really great job with Amy Manson. Yeah, Ma- she's really good. How, how crazy. That she she's was. really good. She's very, very good. It's hard to play like the ranting, raving super vi- villain, but she was captivating. It was hard to take your eyes
1: yeah, off her. Yeah, I watched an interview with her, and she said this is the type of role that any actor would dream of, yeah. of, of performing. Um, so there's a lot there to recommend,
0: but... Um, and HBO was committed to the show. The second season has been, has been uh, you know, greenlit. And I don't remember who's taking over, but it is a, a female producer who was part of the development of the show. So there should be a certain continuity. But you have to, you know, understand that you're watching uh, the work of someone who was later accused of abuse. So, right. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sitting here recommending it to you. I'm just saying... It's a shame that all of that hangs over it, um, because there's some real quality work being done by a lot of the people involved in this who are not Joss Whedon, the costume designer, the art direction, the cinematography, the music, and the acting are really all top notch. So right.
1: um, that's the thing about, I feel about um, when something like this happens, I just feel bad for everyone around involved. Yeah, involved because that's the way I feel about. Um, uh, the the show with uh, the card show on, on Netflix what's, what's the name of it I forget now um, Game of Cards yes Game of Cards Game of House Car- of Cards House of Cards yeah I couldn't remember House of Cards I mean it was one of my favorite shows and now it's ruined um, on Netflix I, yeah. I, I, I was just obsessed with that show and then I can't even watch it anymore that type of thing it right. just ruins the work and the dedication of so many people
0: and that makes a really good segue into our next bit yes which is Colton Underwood's coming out this week Um, I haven't watched a minute of The Bachelor in my life. Listen, (laughs) not here to disparage anybody else's trashy TV taste, but I always thought it was super trashy. And I always felt a show like that, a premise like that was by its nature. It was going to attract very messy people. I mean, if any of you have seen Unreal on Lifetime, and you should. Oh, my God, yes. That yeah. will give you what, you know, if you, anyone who would want to be on that show, you've got to wonder why. What kind of person gets attracted to a show like that? Um,
1: I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand the idea of... Um,
0: it's a very popular show, so we sit here and rant yeah, about it. Yeah,
1: I, but I, I have to say that I don't understand the idea of going on a TV show and, and trying to get married, uh, meeting... They don't obviously. want to get married.
0: It's not what well, that... Whatever. Yeah, but, I know, mean, they want attention and that's it. Right, anyway. So I... Um, I yeah, and just this past season, it all this when they cast the first Black Bachelor earlier this season, I was like, I mean, I could predict how it was going to shake out, and it shook out exactly. Huge scandal. The show's been rocked by racism, and because yeah, it's <laughs> it is what it is. It is a show that celebrates skinny white people having sex on camera and pretending that they're in love. Skinny white attention seekers.
1: The thing also is that any show that has a major, major, mega audience, you know.
0: Well, I mean, the past, uh, like I said, it's very, very popular. And right. like, listen, if you like that shit, I don't right. care. Like, trashy TV is fun. But, but I always t- thought it was messy as well. Right. It it,
1: but you, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't, yeah.
0: Anyway, um, so I remember when he was, it was only like a year or so ago that he was on the show, and it was a big deal because he was like this conservative Christian football player who, um, they made a big deal of the fact that he was a virgin. He was like a 27-year-old virgin. And... I thought the marketing for the show was really gross, how they made a big deal out of that and everything. I can't say I gave it much thought. I wasn't like, oh, I bet you that guy's gay. In retrospect, there were signs, but I never even thought about it because I don't no. watch it. I do remember when the scene, it was all over social media and everything. There was that scene where he chased after the girl and jumped a fence and everything and, and disrupted shooting. And I remember thinking, that guy sounds like he is a freaking mess. And I... I just assumed it was a combination of um, conservative Christianity right. and his virginity and being on reality television. Then I did, but I wasn't watching it, so I didn't care, you know. Um,
1: and it's hard to tell anyway. I mean, if you go to TikTok the way I do, uh, watched all those videos all the time, you you can't tell who's gay anymore.
0: I know that's that's a whole other thing. Um, when I when it came out yesterday or the day before, um, we tweeted something to the the only thing we wanted to say. Like I didn't even know, I knew there was some vague thing about abuse and we'll get or about stalking one of the girls on the show, but I really didn't know much about it. Um, but he came out on Good Morning America, I think it was on Wednesday, and uh, you know, the first reaction you get on social media is everyone rushing to say, we knew, we could tell, or you know, some sort of meme about, oh, big shock or whatever, color me surprised. And I wanted to make the point and I have made this point before when we've talked about coming out. I believe we made it on this podcast and I think it's come up on our site more than once. But I know I've made this point in public Um, and I never received blowback like I got this time, which was when someone comes out, don't say we knew because it's it treats that journey that which is usually a very painful journey as some sort of inside joke between you and everybody else like you didn't really fool us and it can be a little humiliating to a person coming out right. not only that but when you're saying it about someone famous and other people are listening to you, closeted people are listening to you all that does is strike fear right like oh my god can people tell can people tell that I'm gay like and believe me I was there and I you know I know a lot of queer people who had thoughts like that whenever they heard that joke. Oh, big surprise! You know, Lance Bass is gay. Who didn't know that?
1: And and, and that's and, not and,
0: helpful. That's, right.
1: And most of the time, people are just trying to be supportive, saying that. But it, yes, it, yeah, I've I've seen cases. Yeah, um, when when someone says, "Well, we knew it, honey," it, meaning like we support you, right. we've always loved you, we knew. But at the same time, if you're going through the process, you're like, "Whoa!" Even the best intention
0: comments can right. be hurtful or can be um not helpful to people who overhear them who are in the same situation and that was the only point i tried to make but you know the bachelor is very mainstream television it's abc network television it's extremely popular
1: and it's twitter
0: <laughs> and it's conservative in it this is another reason why i never really gave a shit about this show is because it was clearly very conservative in right. its view of what you know And I don't mean its view of sex. Of course, they wanted lots of sex on camera. But it was all about heteronormative, white, um, heterosexuality. It was all about promoting very, very pretty, plastic-looking people. And, you know, so whatever. But it attracts an audience that is more Mm conservative-minded. And they were on Twitter. Yeah. And they, I mean, it was days of... (laughs) People saying stupid shit at me. <laughs> um, now, look, there were uh, there were certain people who were very, very angry that um, anybody was saying anything positive about this coming out because they felt it was a slap in the face to uh, stalking victims uh, because he did stalk uh, his girlfriend from the show, Cassie Randolph. She had a uh, restraining order put out against him that she later dropped. She claimed that he put a tracking device on her car. I mean, it's some fucked up oh stuff. Oh, God, I didn't know any Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's some fucked up stuff. So... Um, i'll talk about that in a second but uh there was this other undertone of um why should we feel sorry for him he wasted women's time if he knew he was gay why was he on the bachelor if he knew he was gay why did he date you know cassie or whoever Mm -hmm. else she dated and um i was like huh this is new this is a new sort of attack uh
1: but that's a very simplistic way of it is
0: a very simplistic look um Uh, people get hurt yes in the process of other people's coming out but you know what people get hurt in any relationship for a million different reasons if someone gets hurt because of someone's perhaps substance abuse addictions uh you don't then turn around and blame that person when they overcome that addiction and then say yes but you know why are we applauding this you hurt someone like And I'm not trying to compare being gay to a a substance abuse addiction, but it is still getting to the point where you are out and honest with yourself is as difficult a journey as getting to a point where you um, attain sobriety over your uh, addiction. So I wanted to address that, this idea that um, he's terrible for dating women or for being on the bachelor. And it's like, you know, I don't think any gay person should get a pass for the, uh, for the people they hurt along the way on their journey, I think that is something you have to deal with. Uh-huh. I remember when I came out, um, I didn't date many women when I was in the closet, and it was largely because of that. Because I can, I can remember being a teenager and thinking I would have to lie to her, I would have to, and I would probably wind up cheating on her. And it always felt really gross to me. I was right. too racked with guilt to be able to pull something like that off, but. Uh, I do remember posts coming out, several friends of long standing were deeply hurt that I had spent years lying to them. Right, And I remember, I mean, I'll be honest, to this day, I don't think it's a very fair charge, but I did spend time navigating through it and talking with them about it and trying to explain to, you know, I, I tried to handle it in a, and there were family members actually who felt the same way, who felt really hurt that I had been lying to them all that time. I get it. But on the other hand, I really, really resented having to deal with other people's feelings during that time. I really resented it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess this is what I'm talking about in terms of how to respond to someone's coming out is don't I mean, even if you have good reason to do so, I just don't think it's a good idea to make it about you in any sense. This moment is about them. And regardless of who they are, who they've hurt, what they've done, how fucked up they are in other ways in their life, the only response, the only proper response to anyone's coming out is support. Anything less than that, um, I have a real problem with, regardless of who he, again, who he is or what he's done. Um, now, mm-hmm. this goes to mm-hmm. the charges against him and, and the, all that. And I really think people are absolutely correct that the press glossed all over that. I mean, Robin Roberts interviewed him on Good Morning America, and that's when he... And she barely touched on it. Really?
1: Yeah, and he no, that, just that's gave a... That's a very, problem, yeah. That
0: is a problem. Um, I understand it's difficult. How do you weigh this against the story of a painful coming out? Um And whose story do you privilege? Um And maybe he shouldn't have gotten the platform of Good Morning America, and he sure as hell should not be getting a Netflix show, which supposedly... Yeah, the rumor is that he is doing a Netflix show about his coming out and Gus Kenworthy is going to be his gay guide and I could not wretch hard enough at this idea. <laughs> it, it, it's gross. It yeah. is absolutely gross. At the same time I can stand up and say you need to support this person right. on behalf of the closet of people around you who are watching Th- that's
1: you. That's the thing. You you should acknowledge in a more positive way, that's yeah. how i put it. But you can still mention all the horrible things this person has yeah. done or, or represent. I mean, you 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 know, just because you came out doesn't <coughs> mean that, I, that you're a role model. No,
0: he doesn't have to be a role model. You, and I firmly believe no one should be watching that trash-ass show no, that he's I'm got planned. No, I'm not going to watch it. Don't, I'm not holding him up as anything. But, um his story i'm yeah i mean he hurt that girl and there are probably other girls that he hurt
1: and scared um i gotta say that's not that unusual no i was going to say that it's not unusual it's just that it was played out on On television on television but i i know many many cases not many but i know several women who i know several cases yeah And
0: we're in these abusive, self-defeating behaviors that were, you know, they unleashed on other people because they were working through their shit. And that's sad. And that's and she deserves whatever sort of platform to tell her side of the story. On the other hand, um, treating it like this. I mean, people were talking about Kevin Spacey and I'm like, yeah, Kevin Spacey raped little boys. I understand. I'm not trying to minimize what this guy did. And if there's a legal like if he should go to jail or whatever, but apparently it was all settled. So I think people are kind of blowing it out of proportion. Um, I don't think it's comparable to compare raping little boys to stalking an ex-girlfriend, even though I understand the danger involved and how scared she must have been. Um, I'm not trying to minimize that, but I also feel like you're minimizing child rape when you make that comparison. And Kevin Spacey's coming out was in the midst of these charges. um, Some of, an actor accused him of doing this when he was a teenager and he immediately came out. That was his response. This stuff that happened with Cassie was six months ago and it was settled. She dropped it. She dropped. I'm not saying that makes him innocent, but I'm also not saying it's not fair to compare this to Kevin Spacey. He did not come right out of the courtroom and say, I'm gay. Six months went by and, and, I get it. 6 months went by while he was developing his TV show. I get that. Right.
1: I was just about to say that. Believe in the, me. in this case, maybe he's coming out more publicly because he has a show to sell. I'm t- really not trying to defend this right. guy. He's terrible. Yeah.
0: Um it's the it's more about the people that are closeted who are watching your reaction to this story. Right. Um that's the only thing I care about is is how people react to coming out and whether they're expressing damaging ideas or not. Uh, it doesn't matter in, in terms of famous people. It really doesn't matter if you like that person or admire that person. You don't have to. But you have to, if you care about these things, you have to respect what he's done in right. in terms of how hard that mm-hmm. was for him. And, oh, again, this was the other thing I kept hearing. It's not hard for cis white gay men anymore. It's so easy for them to come. Listen, listen. I know. Um, it's... I never, ever want to engage in a round of oppression Olympics. And, of course, white cis men, in terms of the LGBTQ community, cis white men rank at the absolute highest level of privilege. Absolutely. And, of course, that needs to be brought up. And that and everything needs to be framed uh, in that, you know, with that framework around it. But that doesn't mean white gay kids You know, cis white gay kids aren't killing themselves, aren't getting beat up, aren't getting thrown out of their homes. Like, come on, people, let's not be naive about this. Um, And I think that was a big part of it was that, you know, if some bachelorette came out, I don't think people would worry about why she was wasting time dating men. You know what I mean? And they wouldn't try and and uh, sort of litigate her personal life prior to that moment. It would have been accepted and, and everyone would have understood that it was painful for her. And I get it. A guy that looks like that, he's this conservative, blue-eyed, blonde, white, Christian, cis dude. Not an easy person to feel sorry for in terms of oppression. It still doesn't mean it was easy for him. Right. It just doesn't. And you do a real disservice to a lot of queer people uh, when you pretend that being white shields you from homophobia or shields you from the effects of a conservative Christian upbringing. It doesn't. In a lot of ways, and I said this before we talked, not, I really don't want to cape for cis white guys, but um, uh, when I was growing up, uh, all my life to this day, I'm still built like a football player, still built pretty much like a fatter version of Colton Underwood. Um, big big guy looked like a football player every suburban dad who ever met me from the time I was 8 years old would make some sort of comment to my dad about when he you know about me being a football player and then all through high school I had to deal with people asking me why I wasn't a football player mm-hmm. because and I mean the whole time I'm like ragingly afraid because I'm this little sissy you know and I knew it deep down inside and I didn't want people to find out everybody's road is hard and cis white dudes don't have all that hard a road compared to say Mm -hmm. black trans women or anyone else in the community. But I, I will say that when you grow up looking like that in a conservative atmosphere, all of that made it much harder for him to come out. Mm -hmm. If he was, um, some, what, what it, what it does. Here's how it works. He was able to navigate that world while in the closet rather freely because he presented as straight, because he presented as a masculine ideal in a conservative atmosphere. If he was some skinny little limp-wristed sissy, that world would have been horrible for him. However, that skinny little sissy is halfway out the closet anyway. So when he comes out... I'm not saying it's easy for him, but that that journey is actually shorter for him when it's that sort of, you know, this guy who presents as the conservative masculine ideal. That is actually harder. That walk to the closet door is actually harder for him than the ones who present as gay openly. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking you to feel sorry for straight acting dudes or for white dudes or for cis dudes, but everybody's got their journey. And I do understand. I am a white cis dude who looks like a football player. So yes, I do understand what kept him in that. And I grew up in a conservative Catholic, well, in a Catholic family.
1: Right. I think. think, So yeah. I think when someone comes out, especially a famous person, um, I, I always talk about just just applaud that. Action. Just that. Not the Just person. Just that. Yes. The action because and what that means to everybody out there. Exactly. Uh that's how I see it. Uh it's more the action than the person. Um and if the person is famous, it, it's going to mean a lot to a lot of people, as opposed to someone in your neighborhood. You know, it right. it, it, it it does make a difference.
0: It does. And he's a very, very mainstream public figure. Right. You know, like People were watching that in their living rooms. Kids, teenagers with their parents and to find it. And some closeted teenager was watching that. Maybe some little boy thought he was hot and had a crush on him. I think
1: the, You know uh, what I mean? You have to right. think about
0: those people.
1: I think when when someone, like when you have a, a show like that, so popular, and, and then you have a man like that on the show. Uh, I think when someone like that comes out as gay uh, or queer, I think in a way it, it it's actually more effective because people will look around and like, okay, well then anyone, if could, he's gay, if then he's who gay, is... anyone could be gay. And, right. and, 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 you know, to a certain extent, you don't question so much in, in the sense that you go like, Oh, but you don't look like a gay person. You know, right. I, I never thought you'd be gay because you're not a gay, you know, character that we see on TV, right. we watch on TV, that type of thing. That doesn't mean we have to elevate these people. right?
0: I would much rather Billy Porter represented me than Colton Underwood. Yes. I would much rather Laverne Cox represented me than Colton Underwood, to be perfectly blunt. Um, So we don't have to elevate him. We don't have to turn him into anything. And we are perfectly fine with people shunning anything he does. And I would not watch that show if you paid me. But um, just the act. Just the act of coming out is, I, I mean, I'm going to be really, the act of coming out is sacred from where I sit. It is a sacred act. And people need to understand that and their reactions to it. When you roll your eyes and say, we knew, you're making fun of a sacred act. Um, no one would, if someone came to you and to your complete and utter shock told you that they had a heroin addiction, would you ever roll your eyes and say, we knew? You wouldn't say that. And I'm not saying that being gay or queer or trans is akin to an addiction. I'm saying the journey to get to that point is similar. To get to that point of self-realization and to state who you are, even though there's going to be backlash, you should treat that as a sacred moment. The same way you would treat someone Mm -hmm. saying, my name is X and I am an alcoholic, even though it's a different thing. That It is a journey towards self-actualization, and you should not dismiss it even when bad people make that journey. Because the journey itself, that moment itself, is more than the person making that statement. Um, And other people are listening. You have no idea who's listening to you. Trust me on this. Um, And they may be little little kids that you have a hard time seeing as gay or trans or anything like that but trust me they're listening so that's all i wanted to say about that you don't have to applaud the man if if your focus is entirely on his his victims or, or absolutely no one's taken anything away from that but the act of coming out is important and it shouldn't be dismissed no matter who's making it all righty that's really serious. All right. We're going to talk about Valentino, which yes. is slightly related to this. I wanted to bring this up because it really freaking bothered me. Uh, the Maison Valentino account on Instagram, which is the official uh, account, posted a, a picture by uh, photographer, Michael Bailey Gates, holding, and it's a self-portrait of the photographer holding one of the uh, brand's bags. A Valentino bag however the photographer is um, naked it's not really a scandalous image everything is hidden um, it's I mean it's the kind of image that could probably go in in a magazine without a problem it's really not that scandalous there's no not even a hint of his no, and, and- genitalia but he is naked and he is um, thin and he has long hair as far as I know he's cis uh, gay um, he's not made up as a woman. He just is a thin, long-haired man. He's actually got a fully hairy body on display. Uh, but this picture was posted on their um, account, and it received like 10,000 comments. Exploded. And exploded with all of these people Which calling find... it disgusting. Go ahead.
1: Which I find very interesting because it's a it's Valentino it's Valent the Maison Valentino's Who the account. hell is following that account who has a problem with this? <laughs> That's exactly I mean if you're following the Valentino account, you'd be a little more open, I I'd assume. No. But no. no, apparently not. But but again, these things blow uh, out of I don't even, I mean, like I as I mentioned and I've mentioned a couple of times, I'm on TikTok a lot and I'm horrified with the comments that i read on a daily basis i see that all the time um it's just amazing like you'd see that on youtube only that type of comments but you see it more and more on instagram and and, and tiktok and so on i don't know if people are just home all the time or just more with their phone and uh, uh i don't know what it is well, but but comments in d- okay comments in general they have gotten way worse than but usual. this
0: isn't if this was merely an online thing we'd be sitting here bitching about stupid online i I feel that this is a larger thing and it's it's of a piece with i feel like anti-queer rhetoric um has is shifting back into mainstream normal conversation Mm -hmm. It, it reminds me very much of being on the you know on message forums 20 years ago where people would be casually uh transphobic casually homophobic and it was just the way people talked and you accepted it. It's like when you look at old episodes of Friends and people are shocked when they make, you know, transphobic jokes or mm-hmm. anti-gay jokes. And it's like, well, yeah, that's that was mainstream back then. That's how people talked up until about 2010 or so. And I feel like it's shifting back. And I it. feel like it's uh, the um, Valentino thing made me think this. And then the Colton Underwood thing yesterday made me think this. Not the parts standing up for his victims, but the parts uh, vilifying him for dating women at all. Um If you ask any black or Asian person in America right now and they will tell you it has gotten markedly worse for them in Mm -hmm. terms of what they have to listen to, what they have to be subjected to in the last 13 months. And this is not akin to that, but it's all it's sort of like the backwash of all that uh, racism and xenophobia. Well, right behind all of that is transphobia and that's gaining and gaining in... Impo- I mean, there's all these bills being passed all over the country, uh, anti-trans bills, um, threatening to take trans kids away from their parents, threatening to um, subject children to genital evaluations to determine mm-hmm. their gender. People are going nuts over the trans issue right now, along with people going nuts over racism, people going nuts over uh, Asian people, you know, black anti-black racism, racism anti-Asian racism. It's just... Public rhetoric has gotten more crude, more angry, and more openly hostile to other people. It is becoming acceptable among certain groups to make joke, you know, to make mm-hmm. anti-gay, anti-Asian, or even anti-black commentary. Uh, and, and of course, oh geez, like it's been an ongoing problem since its inception. Women on the internet are subjected to the most ridiculous amounts of abuse. So it's misogyny, racism, transphobia, homophobia. All of that is is. Is just reaching this this critical mass. I feel I'm not predicting anything. I just feel like we all need to pay attention to these things a little bit more. Um, it, it we shouldn't wait until there are a bunch of dead black people or a bunch of dead Asian people before we start addressing racism. And it's the same thing with uh, anti queer rhetoric. Like we mm. have to be pay attention to this stuff because I see it as a queer person. I see the rhetoric shifting further and further away from us right. anti us. So this this photographer who is a gay man he's not even trans but all of the mm-hmm. um and he doesn't present as trans. I mean he presents as a cisgender man with
1: long well hair. But that, that's the thing. I mean we've Many houses uh, have done that type of work before. Like yeah. Tom Ford has done that type of campaign. Uh, Yves Saint Laurent, in, back in 2002, I believe. But those were hotmail models, had right? Had a campaign uh, with a man naked uh, advertising a fragrance. And, and, you know, we talked about the men naked, but it wasn't to this extent that we were all you know, bashing these people we were, or it was pretty much just, oh, okay. They had an ad with a man naked, but this time people I, were
0: disgusted.
1: I, they were disgusted by it. They, they couldn't believe they were, you know, making comments like gross and so on. But I think because we're reaching a point where, um, we're opening up to more, uh, to a diversity of, of, of queerness, and and it's not just I'm I'm gay and I like men, or you know, or I'm straight, I like men or women and whatever. It's it it's not so um, defined as it used to be before. And I think looking at a picture of that man.
0: Set people off.
1: Set people off because, you know, long hair and, you know, he's posing with a bag. God forbid a man, you know, wears right. a bag. So it's very confusing to them. Is this a man? Is this a woman? What is this? You know, and why is he naked holding a, 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 a bag? I mean, I go to an account on YouTube. Um, I don't want to get into the details because it's private, personal, but I watch these videos. And every single time in the comment section, people talk about this guy. Um his nail, his nail polish. Why do you have black nail polish? And he's a man. I every mean, this isn't single, even shocking. Every single video the guy puts out is the same type of comment, and I'm like, who cares?
0: Yeah, but YouTube comments. I mean, but my
1: point is that people still have a very right. big issue with with men wanting to do whatever they want to do, or women wanting to do whatever they want do, or any queer person. Right. So. I think that, that's why they have such a problem with this picture, because they can't pinpoint anything. They can't it just ma- make they assumptions. They just don't like it. Yeah, they just don't like it because <coughs> they don't understand it could be anything.
0: And I would like to reiterate that the person being subjected to all of this, 10,000 angry, disgusting, hateful comments, was a white cisgender gay man. Right. I am, again, not trying to cape for myself or other white cis gay men, but if you think... That we sit on a pile of acceptance. I'm sorry, that is simply not true. And as someone who is high on the privilege ladder for queer people, I can see it coming. I can see. Right. And this is, I've, I've said this before to my fellow gays and bisexuals out there, when they go after trans people, that is merely a stepping stone to going after you. Um, and if you yeah. are in any way supportive of anti-trans, a gay person who's supportive of anti-trans commentary, you need to understand you're supporting the people who are going to come after you. It's all of the same thing.
1: It's, they're they're always going to go after something else. Right. When they're done with whatever. Right. So you could be next.
0: Right. And like I said, I can sense it in the same way that black people can sense the elevated racism in this country and the fast, elevated expressions of race. It's all coming out. People don't feel like, the people who feel this way don't feel like they have to keep their mouths shut anymore. Uh, mouths shut anymore. And I feel like we all need to remain vigilant and let them know that, yes, you actually do need to keep your fucking mouth shut. If, if you want to spew anti-trans shit, anti-black shit, anti-Asian shit, or anti-gay shit, you need to just go the fuck away. Right, uh, and, We shouldn't be accepting of this in public view right, at right. all.
1: And the uh, creative director of uh, Valentino, Pierpaolo uh, Piccioli, Piccioli. Um, he was so disgusted by all the comments and everything that he actually posted on his site, his Instagram account, I mean, about it. How he he's always been about, you know, freedom and, and, and everything. Right. Uh, love and tolerance and growth and how he... Believes that this is what he has to do, even if it's hard, even if he, if he, you know they're going through this now. Right. Um, and I can only imagine how difficult it is for for him, and you know because Valentino wants to make money. Valentina is a big company, right? So uh, it it's very hard for a big company uh, to sort of support that type of thing when when he gets such a huge backlash. Right. So anyway.
0: Anyway, these are our thoughts on the world this week. Um, Please let us know what you think about anything we may have said here about the nevers, about Colton Underwood's coming out, about his troublesome past, and about whether you feel that the rhetoric out there is actually getting a little dangerous, and maybe we should all be more vigilant about calling it out. Anyway, serious stuff. Yeah. We hope we weren't downers for you. We'll come back next week with something more you know cheerful and chipper anyway thank you once again for listening to our cartoon voices as always uh we will be back next week with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desks until then take care of yourself be safe love you mean it Bye. bye